to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. Thank you. Now I'm going to ask my sister Iris to come and do the reading for me. It has to be a family affair, you understand. Uh, The reading is from Luke chapter 2, verses 22 to 38. Then it was time for the purification offering, as required by the law of Moses, after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says, If a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered a sacrifice according to what was required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man named Simeon who lived in Jerusalem. He was a righteous man and very devout. He was filled with the Holy Spirit and he eagerly expected the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Lord, now I can die in peace as you promised me. I have seen the Saviour. You have given to all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Joseph and Mary were amazed at what was being said about Jesus. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, This child will be rejected by many in Israel, and it will be their undoing but he will be the greatest joy to many others. Thus the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul. Anna, a prophet, who was also in the temple, was the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher, and was very old. She was a widow, for her husband had died um, when they had been married only seven years. She was now 84 years old. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshipping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about Jesus to everyone who had been waiting for the promised King to come and deliver Jerusalem. Let's just pray. Our precious Saviour, as we come before you this morning to look at this event of the dedication of you in the temple in Jerusalem, we pray that you will open the eyes of our hearts to understand the things that you want to say to us this morning. So we pray that your Spirit would open our eyes and our hearts that we may know truly that you are our God. And we pray this in your name. Amen. The dedication of Jesus at the temple in Jerusalem 
Now, for those of you who have never been to Israel, in Jerusalem they have the um, Israel Museum. And in the museum they have built this huge model. You can see the size of the people standing on the other side. That is a recreation of what the city of Jerusalem looked like prior to AD 70. Who knows what happened in AD 70? Trixie, you said you know. What happened in AD 70? AD 70. The Roman emperor, Titus, came in and destroyed the place. And that was in AD 70. To dedicate, and I think it's a, to really good a good understanding, means to set apart for a specific purpose. To consecrate or to commit wholeheartedly. Joseph and Mary brought Jesus to the temple, as was the custom for the firstborn male child of a Jewish couple to be dedicated to the Lord. And as was read this morning, on their arrival they encountered Simeon, who had been promised that he would not die until he had seen the Messiah. In 2007, a film came out called The Bucket List. This film is an American comedy drama which starring Jack Nicholson and Morgan Freeman. And the main plot follows two terminally ill men on a road trip with a wish list of things to do before they kick the bucket. Yearning for something or some experience or someone that will make life fulfilling before times run out is nothing new. I'm sure that you've heard people say, look, if only, if only this would happen, then I would die happy. And I suppose it's a good question to ask ourselves that if this was our last day on earth, would we be satisfied with our life? If this was our last day on earth, would we say that we had done what God called us to do? Is there something that we wanted to achieve, that we want to achieve, that is not done? Simeon had one list thing on his bucket list, and that was to see God, the promise of the Messiah, fulfilled before he died. The promise of a Messiah is actually one of the oldest promises recorded in Scripture. It goes back as far as the Garden of Eden, when God spoke to the serpent, declaring that the seed of the woman, that is Eve, would bruise Satan's head. These words in Genesis are sometimes referred to as the first gospel, because they promise the coming of one whom we know to be the Lord Jesus, the Messiah. And then in the centuries that followed, the Jewish people were conquered and dominated by one empire after another. And we read about them, we know the Babylonians and the Persians, and, uh, and they were conquered usually because they had turned away from God. And as the years passed, they began to lose hope in the promised Messiah proclaimed by the prophets. Their hopes faded, and soon there were only a few who remembered what they hoped for and dreamed about. The faithful remnant refused to give up hope and continued to watch faithfully and pray, waiting for the long-promised redemption. And this is what Simeon was. As we understand it, Simeon was not a priest. He was not of anyone of high status in the temple. But he was a servant. He had a servant heart. He was a servant of God. 
living in anticipation of God's redemption of Israel. And we are told that he was a devout and righteous man and his life satisfaction was linked with the promise that he had received from the Holy Spirit that he would see the Messiah before he died. He was apparently in the twilight of his life and he had this one item, this promise in his bucket list. Given that the Holy Spirit had given him this promise, it seems reasonable that he would have shared it with others of the godly remnant in the temple. People like Anna, who walked up at that instant and joined the celebration. And Anna, as you can see, she was a prophetess. She'd been a widow for most of her life. She was about 84. Uh, she never left the temple. And she served God with fastings and prayers night and day. This encounter with Simeon and Anna should not be seen as coincidental. With God, there are no coincidences. It was not something that had happened by chance. Had those in Jerusalem heard of the encounter, they, they from the shepherds uh, of the newborn Christ, had they? Possibly. Even though, though Bethlehem in those days was only about nine kilometres from Jerusalem, communication was certainly not like it is today. If they had heard the message of the shepherds, would they have believed them? Society and rabbinic Jews despised shepherding and looked at shepherds with disdain. To many, they were considered outcasts because shepherds were uneducated, especially in Mosaic law, and were considered as a lower class of Israelite. They were ceremonially unclean, and it is said that people would not buy anything from a shepherd because it was possibly stolen. Also, their testimony in court would have no weight whatsoever. I always found it interesting why it was that the shepherds were the first to come and see the newborn babe. Now, one of the scholars for Friends of Israel has looked into it and said, in those days, the shepherds in the fields, the sheep that they were looking after, were the lambs for the sacrifice of sins in the temple in Jerusalem. So isn't it great that the shepherds who looked after the sacrificial lambs were the first to come and see the sacrificial lamb? God doesn't do things just because it seemed like a good idea at the time. And it would have been over a month since the shepherds had gone to see the baby, Jesus. We know this because in those times the purification or dedication ceremony of the firstborn male was not performed until the child was 40 days old. This was when Mary was declared to be ceremonially clean. In Leviticus 12, we read, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, If a woman has conceived and born a male child, then she shall be unclean seven days, as in the days of her customary impurity. In other words, the, the time of her period. She shall be unclean, and on the eighth day the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. She will then continue in the blood of her purification of thirty-three days. She shall not touch any hallowed thing, nor come into the sanctuary until the days of her purification are fulfilled. Just a couple of little points of interest there. Eight days has been shown medically 
that that is the time for circumcision because if they were to do it before then, the blood is not likely to clot. But after eight days, the pain threshold increases. Uh, so that was why the period of eight days, and, and the ceremonially unclean for the 30 days, it was not that she was the, the mother was unclean because of giving birth, because God blessed children. She was ceremonially unclean because there were usually discharges that still lasted for that period of time, and for that that she was um, medically unclean. But why 40 days? In those days, children were not delivered in the sterile environment that we know today. They were usually delivered at home, where the conditions were less than sanitary, the floors were probably dirt, and farm animals commonly shared the space. When we were in Nazareth a couple of years ago, we went into a village recreated as it would have been in the time of Christ. It was very spartan, cramped, nothing like the glory that Jesus would have experienced in heaven. They made this village only using the tools that were available in those days, only using the building methods that was in those days. And this is what struck me. This is a typical sleeping room. And when I looked at that, I thought, my Saviour gave up the unspeakable glories of heaven to come and live in a place like that. And I, it was one of the most moving things I actually saw that touched me when we were in Israel. And why did he do that? Because he loves us. In addition, the water used to cleanse a baby would be regarded today as polluted. The cloths used to wrap the child would have been washed with the same water. It has been calculated that in those days, infant mortality could have been as high as 90%. If a child had survived the first 30 to 40 days, it was surmised they had a good chance that they would grow into adulthood. Therefore, the presentation of the firstborn child was delayed for this period of time. As we've read, this was not when the child was circumcised, which was done at eight days. This was the ceremony of dedication of the firstborn male to the Lord. Now, it's interesting that Joseph and Mary chose two young pigeons suggesting they could not afford the price of the doves. Someone commented to me once, surely they could have afforded at least a lamb even, as the wise men had bought them gifts of gold and incense and myrrh. What we have to remember that Jesus was probably about two years old by the time the Magi arrived in Bethlehem to the house of Joseph and of Mary. Uh, Matthew 2.11 records they came to the house where the child lay, not the manger. So all those nativity scenes that you've got at home are wrong. So at the time that Jesus was brought to the temple for the dedication, he was only about 40 days old and there was still a lot of time before the Magi came uh, to, to greet him and to proclaim that he was Lord. Simeon and Anna had both been led by the Holy Spirit to be there that day and at that time. With God there are no accidental encounters. So what was God's purpose for Simeon and Anna that day? Certainly it was to fulfill the promise to Simeon that he would see the Messiah before he died. But importantly, it was an encounter intended to encourage these humble parents in the mission in raising this special child. 
to encourage them and prepare them for what lay ahead. Uh, we can only imagine the impact that the responses from Simeon and Arab how, on Mary and Joseph, how that went. But also, can you imagine how Simeon felt when he held his Messiah in his arms? Can you imagine how he felt? The Messiah to bless the one who would one day bless him, to bless the one who would one day wrap his everlasting arms around him. And just what an encouraging that thing that must have been for Joseph and Mary. Simeon's message to Joseph and Mary would have appalled any other Jew who may have witnessed this encounter, particularly the lines, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles. That would have horrified them. It would have gone against all their deeply held beliefs. Many Jews believed that the Gentiles were created to flee, feed the flames of hell. A common prayer of many Jewish men was, and I think it still is to some, they thanked God daily that they were not born as a dog, a woman, or a Gentile. To include the Gentiles in the promise of God for salvation is blasphemy. Dr. Richard Emmons, the professor emeritus in the School of Divinity at Kean University in Pennsylvania, has commented that whilst Mary and Joseph would have been thrilled that Simeon recognised Jesus as the Messiah, they would have been challenged by the prophecy that things would not be easy for them. His ministry would reveal the true nature of people's hearts and Mary would suffer as she watched her son crucified. Mary was reminded, as we should be, that when we get involved in fulfilling God's plan, we will face opposition. And there are those who are facing, even today in this world, suffering. The United Nations recently did a survey and they have determined that the Christian church is the most persecuted faith in the world today. About every five minutes, I think it is, there is at least one person around the world paying for their faith with their life. Isn't that staggering? We have it so easy here. And he said, Mary would suffer experience like a sword piercing her soul as she watched her son suffer. The image used by Luke is that of a large, broad sword striking Mary. She would suffer much pain in watching Jesus being rejected and tortured. There was thought that at the time of the, 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 the crucifixion that Joseph may have died because really after the time when Jesus was 12 and there's an encounter in the temple, Joseph is not really mentioned again in Scripture. God then led Mary, led Anna to bring encouragement to Mary and Joseph. Mary was probably a little bit distressed at Simeon's prophecy. So this dear Jewish saint encouraged them and rejoiced with them. Maybe she was one of these people who focused on the positives, seeking to glorify God through all her ministry, which is what we should be doing. She was a prophetess who had been prepared by the Spirit through many years of focusing on the kingdom of God rather than on her own personal circumstances or in spite of them. She was perfectly suited to give encouragement to Mary and Joseph for the difficult times that lay ahead. Notice that God used two senior saints to affirm and encourage these younger people at the start of their spiritual journey. 
God has a purpose for everyone, regardless of age. There is no retirement age in God's service. I looked and I couldn't find one. God has a special role for older, more mature people. People with many years of life experience who have done the hard yards in the past. People with a real ministry as encouragers. Chuck Swindoll has actually commented that one of the reasons that they were called elders in the early church was because of their age, their life experience and their spiritual maturity. Maturity. And I know that I can look back in my experience as a young man growing up in Hamilton Central Baptist Church when an encouraging word from one of the older people that we knew was of great blessing and encouragement to me. We all have bucket lists. Ours is to see our grandchildren grow in their Christian faith and also that of family and friends who are not saved that they would come to know the Lord. These are things that we desire, desire to see before God calls us home. However, if we have, if you have a bucket list, you cannot just sit back and hope for it to happen. We must be actively involved in the process. If we have a desire to see a family member or a friend come to salvation, we must be prepared to talk with them about God's love for them. We can be active by bringing these desires to the Lord daily in prayer and in seeking the guidance of the Holy Spirit who goes before us, leading us and guiding us as to the things we should do and say. Achieving the items in our bucket list takes involvement. Simeon, led by the Spirit, came to that temple that day, and Anna, we told, never left the temple, having chosen to invest her life in fasting and prayers and seeking to glorify God. When she had her encounter with the baby Jesus, we read that she then proclaimed the good news to all who would listen to her. The joy and praise among the faithful must have been amazing as the word spread through the temple that day. Could you have kept such good news to yourself? I've often wondered what the rabbis and priests in the temple thought when they were informed of this event. It must have come to their attention. Their encounter with Jesus that day was life-changing. And any encounter with Jesus is life-changing. Wasn't that true for us when we first came to faith in Christ? When people encounter Jesus, it is truly a life-changing experience. Oh, the joy that Simeon had when he held the Messiah in his arms. But what a greater joy it is for us that Jesus holds us in his arms. Simeon and Anna were never mentioned again in the scriptures. Simeon's bucket list was complete, and he was at peace with the approaching end of his days. The peace that comes from the faithful promises of God to him. Anna was looking for redemption in Israel, but Jesus came not just for redemption in Israel. Jesus came for redemption here in Huntley. Jesus came for redemption here in New Zealand. Jesus came for redemption right throughout this world. And as Jesus was dedicated for a purpose, so are we when we enter into a relationship with him because we become part of his body. So therefore his purpose becomes our purpose. God has a bucket list for each of us.
something or someone he has placed on our hearts. A family member, a friend, someone the Holy Spirit is urging us to talk to about their need to find peace with God through Jesus Christ. God's great gift of salvation is there for all who would accept it. I have heard people say that they show the world they are Christians by the way they live, and that's great. They say they witness by being friendly, and that's great too. But salvation only comes from hearing the gospel proclaimed. No one has ever been smiled into the kingdom. No one comes to Christ through some form of osmosis. They come by hearing. And if you've got people God has laid on your heart, you've got to do more than be nice and smile. You've got to tell them what God has done for them. Jesus came as a baby, but he came for a purpose. When we consider the birth and the child in the manger, we must look past it to the cross and the empty tomb. Our hope is tied up in the birth of Jesus, the Son of God, who was both fully human and fully divine. And in the cross and in the resurrection, Jesus had to be born fully human, for he knew if we are to become like him, he had to first become like us. The first time he came, he came as a little baby in a manger. But the next time he comes, it will be as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. If he were to come today, how would you be ready? How would you be ready to receive him? Would you be in the process of fulfilling the purpose that he has dedicated you to? God bless you. And may 2021 be a year of great joy for us all as we abide in his grace and love. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church.